do I have to find about growing up? You know what I'm saying? Like feeling better, living better, better location. What he failed to tell you was when you're on my time, I can reclaim it. I, he left that out, so I'm reclaiming my time. Please, you respond. Are you kidding me? Who are you rooting for tonight? I'm rooting for um everybody black. Betting on black tonight. I'm sorry for the realness. Hey everybody, it's Whitney from WhitneyDanielle.com. And you guys know this is one of my favorite segments ever. And I'm really particularly excited about this one because guess what? This person actually hit me up to do a Stranger Danger episode. I know. I get hit up sometimes, I don't know, I don't know. but this email was particularly special. She really went through. She was like, I've listened to the show. She dropped a couple of names. She sent me what she was doing. And I'm like, uh, yeah, let's do it. And so we've literally met virtually, I guess, right? Just via an email. And I'm really excited to have her on the show. She is a lovely young lady from actually the DC area, which makes me happy because I wanted to get more folks from the DMV area on the show. Cause I was in Dallas before and I had a ton of Dallas people and I was in California before I had a ton of Cali people. And now I'm like, yeah, we got to get some DMV folks. So it was just really kismic. Is that the word? I feel like kismic, cosmic, whatever. It's amazing. And I'm excited. So today's guest, again, she is from DC born and raised and her name is St. Clair Dietrich Jules. She's got an IG page, obvi. She's actually got a couple, like most of my guests on here. Um, the first if you're on your phone right now, pull out IG, pull it up because you know we got to do this. If you don't have IG, come back to the show notes and you can just click it and it'll take you there. But her first page is dear underscore Chloe, and that's Chloe with a K, K H L O E. And then her personal page is St. Claire Dietrich Jules, and that's going to be in the show notes as well. And that's S T Claire without an E, C L A I R Dietrich, D E T R I C K Jules. J-U-L-E-S. So those are her two IG pages. You can find her there. I believe um, the, yeah, actually there's links on all of them. So you know how mine has, if you go to Whitney Danielle Coaching, you can click on the show. And if you go to the show, you can click on Whitney Danielle. So hers is kind of set up that way. So super easy. Make sure you follow her. Without any further ado, please welcome St. Clair Dietrich Jules, my DC native photographer, filmmaker, extraordinaire. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay! So what made you send that email? So, I mean, I think that, I mean, my motivation for the project that I'm working on right now and for a lot of my work is by Black women, for Black women. Um, And I really, I really love your podcast and yeah, I really want to spread the word and spread joy, spread self-love to, um, to black women. And I, and I love, you know, the messages that people put on, on your podcast. Um, I was just listening to Weezy's episode earlier today again. Um, yeah. And I love it. I love the focus on women empowerment, on empowering specifically women of color. I think that's amazing. And yeah. Yeah. So I'm really happy to be here. Yay. No, Weezy is amazing. <laughs> that was God, that was such a fun episode. We had a blast. Even when we went, I think we went live on Instagram, which if you're down, we can totally do that. And we'll have Weezy join because I'll make sure I tell her that you really appreciated the episode. But we had so much fun. And, you know, a lot of times we end up talking about really important stuff that just really doesn't happen all the time. Like these conversations aren't conversations that you hear, 
you know, in the water cooler talk, you know what I mean? Like they're not Mm -hmm. casual, They're, they're casual, but they're not regular conversations, something that you hear all the time. So I'm glad that you enjoy that. And I agree, self-empowerment, women's empowerment is is so crucial right now. I mean, always, but now I feel like there are more people speaking out and doing projects and creating good work and, and what whatnot. So in the email, you put what you were working on. So tell us a little bit about your project and what it is that you're trying to use to essentially help women's empowerment. Yeah, so I am currently working on a photography book, um, more of like a photojournalism book. I've been working on it for almost two years now. Um, It features 100 Black women with natural hair, 100 Black women and girls with natural hair. Um, And I also have interviewed each of these women. And so I have a quote from each of the women about their natural hair journey slash their relationship with their hair slash anything related to, you know, their natural hair. And some of these quotes are one sentence or a few words. Some of them are several paragraphs, but they all sort of give more context into context to who these women are, um, how they got to where they are, to this place of self-love, to enjoying their natural hair, to really worshiping their natural hair, you know. And so, yeah, that's the project that I'm working on. And the reason why I'm doing it, my main motivation is because a couple of years ago, my dad told me that my little sister, who was then only four years old, um, was self-conscious about her Afro. And, you know, her favorite movie at the time was Frozen, you know, and I also love Frozen, but it's just like these two, you know, white girls with super straight long hair. And so Chloe wanted hair like those girls. And then she goes to a majority white school and um, her classmates will like tease her about her hair. They started teasing her about her hair. And so she was just really, yeah, not feeling it. She was crying about, um, about just about how much she hated her hair. And I got, at first I got really angry and then I got really active and I started putting together this project to show Chloe and all the other black women and girls out there Um, who need to hear it, that your natural hair is beautiful. There's nothing wrong with it. And I love that. I love that so much. And I saw some of the pictures. You actually put some of the pictures in the email. This email, guys, is fantastic. So if you've ever thought about reaching out to somebody, I need you to take some notes here because the email was well-written. It was concise. She even added her photos in there. And these photos, that's, I think, what really got me. The messaging is amazing, but these photos are fantastic. You've got all different types of women, all different age groups, right? And they're leaving these little gems and like little tidbits about their lives and about their experiences with their hair. And, you know, for me, I think that's, it's fun. You know, when you're little, you like to read stories and you like to learn about people and, you know, or animals or inanimate objects, like it doesn't matter, but to hear about someone's story and they kind of look like you, I think that's really, really, really powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, what is, so 2020, so if you go, if you guys are on her IG page, she has um, a YouTube video and then she has, like, it's coming. Dear Chloe is the book and it's coming in 2020. You said spring, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So how can people find the book? Where will you be putting it, releasing it? What's kind of the the next steps for it? So it'll be on my website. It'll be on Amazon. It'll be, um, 
pretty much everywhere where you can get a book. Um, it'll be on the major platforms. Sweet. And the website guys, by the way, is dearchloe.com. So if you go to dearchloe.com or just bookmark it for now and I will be posting. So we'll have some graphics. And then when you have the graphics for the book and you've got that going, I'll share those on my page in the spring so that everybody can remember. Cause I know I'm, my memory is trash. When people tell me stuff, I'm like, oh, I will remember it, but it'll be like very random points in time. So I will post. Yeah. Right. I miss most of us. So just share with me whatever graphics you have or promotional marketing material you have. And I will absolutely share that on my page to remind people in the springtime when it happens. So are you going to have like a book party? So tell me your sister, your, she's your half sister, but she's your sister. Mm -hmm. And she's, where is she? So, yeah. So my half sister, I have three half siblings. Um, my, my little half-sister, she lives in France. Well, all my siblings live in France. Um, they live with uh, my dad. So we have the same dad. And then um, with my stepmom, with their mom. So that's where Chloe is right now. And they're in the south of France, um, which is where my stepmom is from. And it's really beautiful down there. There just also are really not um, that many people of color slash black um, people there. So I think that makes it extra hard for Chloe. Cause I mean, it was hard for me and I grew up in DC, you know, as, as we used to call it chocolate city. And so, um, even me, you know, being around a lot of black people growing up, I still had a lot of issues with my hair. And so for Chloe, for my little sister in the South of France, really not having any of that community, um, just makes it even harder for her. And that's why especially I want to show her like, you know, you have this huge community of black women with natural hair, you know, globally, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we talk about community a lot and how it's important. A lot of us are in DC, Chocolate City or nearby or somewhere and we feel disconnected or we feel like we're by ourselves. And so Mm -hmm. it's really important to make sure that you are, you know, connected somehow. And I'm going to be trying to do my best to put out more material on how women can do this because it's still, a big problem. And it's still, you know, it's crazy how connected, right? I say that with bunny ears, but it's crazy how connected we are. We all are, but how disconnected we all seem to be and how lonely a lot of us are because we're out here grinding and doing our thing and dealing with our own troubles and dramas and whatever, but we're disconnected, I think more than ever. And it's important to have somebody somewhere who looks like you has the same experience as you. I've actually been doing, um, I'm the community manager over at the well, And the well space is this amazing community of black women. And most of them are entrepreneurs. A lot of them have like corporate jobs and it's a good blend of different types of women. But we've been reading a lot about business and black women in business and how difficult it is for us to maneuver the corporate environment. And how do we do that more effectively? And, you know, a lot of these like uh, microaggressions and issues climbing the corporate ladder and issues getting promoted and speaking up for yourself and dealing with racism and like all these things we're dealing with, but we're not always talking about them. And it's nice to have the the tools, right? Like your sister's going to have, this is a tool. This book is a tool. Other girls are going to have this book as a tool to connect and to see that they're not alone. And then hopefully that will give them some sort of peace in that it's not going to take the problems away, but it'll at least show them that they're not 100% alone and that there are other women dealing with a lot of the same things and that they're, you know, connected. We're, we're all connected in some, you know, whether it's virtually, whether it's in person or not. So can you talk a little bit about when you were in DC and just like 
as you've been growing up, how you've been able to stay connected or who you've been looking up to for community and support? Yeah. Um, you mean out, so outside of this project, right? Yeah, just you personally. So, I mean, my biggest support has always been my mom. Um, it's probably true for a lot of people that their biggest support is my mom. Is their mom, you know, like their number one fan for everything. At college, when you know, when I went to when I went to Brown, I was able to find a really great community there, and that's where I started getting involved more in social justice. Um, there's a really strong black community there. I mean, I, I guess, yeah, Brown just kind of has a reputation for having kind people. Um, and so I would say that my community isn't necessarily huge, but the people who are in my community are just really, really genuinely amazing people who I know I can always count on, you know, thing is that I don't necessarily look for quantity, like having a large community, but quality. So making sure that the people who I do have in my community, I have really strong relationships with them. Um, and I can count on them for anything and vice versa that they can count on me. And so, yeah, I, I guess I look there for community. Um, I mean, family is, yeah, family's big. I mentioned my mom. I also look to, you know, my dad, my stepmom, um, my husband and his family. They're all really supportive. And I'm really lucky because I know that not everybody comes, uh, you know, not everybody has the privilege of being really close with their family, but I'm really grateful that my family is, you know, has always been a really great community for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Did I answer your question? Okay. No, you did. It was great. And now I'm definitely curious. I didn't know Brown, like that was a reputation that people are super nice there. Well, I guess I like to think of it that way. I remember when I was applying, I asked the admissions officer, like, what do you, um, like, what do you recommend? How do I get in or whatever? And she said, you know, one thing that we look for sort of unofficially is kindness. We look for applicants who are kind. And so maybe Brown doesn't necessarily have a huge reputation for that, but I guess that's how I always think of Brown because that's where I've met some of the kindest people. And, um, yeah, just cause everybody, I, I, talked to before applying there always talked about how nice people were and I mean there's you know there are racist people everywhere sexist people everywhere rude people everywhere but yeah for the most part I found definitely some of my closest closest friends there I love that yeah I mean kindness is important um (laughs) it's amazing so when you were when you were at Brown I mean what did you study did you study photography and filmmaking or did you do something completely different I did something completely different. So I, I studied French and Francophone studies. My mom just always told me, okay, just major in whatever you like the most classes in or whatever you genuinely feel happiest when you study. So for me, that was French and Francophone studies. Um, I really liked the French department there. The professors were all really great. And so that's what I went with. Um, but Brown, because we have an open curriculum, so there's no core curriculum that students have to follow like this many science classes, this many math classes or whatever. So I had a lot of extra room in my schedule. So I did take a filmmaking class my last semester at Brown. And that's when I made my first documentary. And that was really, yeah. So that was really fun. So I did take a class, but I didn't major in photography there. 
So did that class like spark something for you? And you were like, I got to keep doing this. It did. Yeah, it was. I mean, I had been interested in film and photography prior to that. And I had done a few projects on my own, but just sort of on, you know, recorded on a cell phone. And so when I took that class and I had access to all of the school's great equipment and everything, that's when I felt like I made my first sort of professional film photography project. And that made me, I guess that sort of built my confidence and made me realize, oh yeah, I can, you know, I can do this. And so started working on Dear Chloe. Awesome. No, I love that. I'm really excited about this project. I think, you know, this is, it's exciting to have something launched. I love when people are launching stuff because there's so much anticipation and we kind of get to be together before it happens and then like watch it. Cause you know, they say they've done studies on like happiness and that sometimes the anticipation is more exciting than the actual thing, right? They say that about weddings. They say that about like birthdays. And I feel like it's the same for launches. It's like that buildup of like momentum and you're learning more about the project and then the marketing material and then the book comes in the mail. Like I think Amanda Seals just got her first copy of her book, Small Doses, in the mail and she opened it with her mom on FaceTime and then she was recording it for IG. And it was just, I mean, like I was in tears. I, we were all so excited and so happy. Like it wasn't even my book, but I'm like <laughs> stoked for her. And it's fun to watch this. And she hasn't even, I think, officially launched it yet. I think it goes um, live soon, but it's such a fun process. So spring, we're going to have to have you back to have like something, something. We're going to have to do, and then you're local too. So yeah. we're going to have to, we're going to have to do something. So are you going to have like a launch party or some event here? Yeah, I am going to have a launch party. I want to have one in DC, um, one in New York, possibly other places, but definitely, yeah, definitely DC. I mean, I'm definitely available for France. I mean, <laughs> just putting that in the universe, just putting that out there. I've never been. So if you do have a party there, let me know my passport. Um, actually, you know what? I need to make sure. I think it expires. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think it expires soon. Okay. Uh -oh. I got to make a note. Yeah. <laughs> see, look at, look at this. The universe is trying to hook me up and I'm not even ready. Um, okay. So anyway, back to this. So let's talk about your social media profiles. So you've got dear Chloe and you've got your personal one. So what mm -hmm. can people expect to see on your social media? How do you want people to really start to take in what you're doing? Do you think after this book launches, you'll focus on this continually or how do you see things shifting for you on social media? Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely see dear Chloe as an ongoing project and it's more than just, um, the book, I really wanted to be part of and help push forward this natural hair movement that's going really strong right now. So on the Dear Chloe, on my Instagram and Twitter for now, um, leading up to the launch, I have, this, you know, photos of black women with natural hair, some from my book, some not from my book. Um, just black women with natural hair talking about why they love their natural hair what they've learned from their natural hair, the big chop, things like that. So that's what I'm sharing now. And my hope is, you know, to continue showing black women to, you know, continue affirming, affirming us that we are beautiful or powerful in our natural state. And I think that after 
so yeah, so that's like leading up to the launch and everything. And I want to continue doing that after the book is released. Also, I also am planning on doing merchandise. Um, cause I want to, I, I want, I think that natural hair is not becoming very mainstream. You know, it's, it's, I think it's moving in that direction, but we still have so far to go. And so I sort of want to help push it into, you know, the mainstream, like do what I can. And so I want to do merchandise with Afros. I want to use um, the photos that I took for the book, make posters out of them, put them on, you know, tote bags, hats, purses, um, cell phone cases, stickers, things like that. Just so we can, just so black women could look around everywhere and just say, oh, here I am, here I am, here I am, you know, and be affirmed in their natural beauty. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think most of us like swag, especially black girl magic swag. So absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm really excited to see what you create. Um whether you do like pins or stickers, like all of that, t-shirts, mugs, I mean, I'm here for it. So let me know. And we'll have to talk because I actually am looking to create some swag too. And oh, that's um, awesome. I don't know. Some of this stuff like you, you have to learn. So definitely curious about like how you've gone through the process of like figuring all of this out because I'm assuming you didn't go and take a class on how to like create a book and then like how to get it published. And I actually have a literary agent that I'm going to have on to speak to some of that for people who are physically like writing books. Cause I know a lot of people want to write books, but how did you go through that yourself and say, okay, well, let's make sure we do this. And this is the next step. And then we do this. Was that difficult? Yeah. Yeah. It, it has been. I mean, I, I see it as an adventure though. I've learned a lot as I've been going through the steps. Um, and I sort of just tried to take everything one day at a time. So first of all, I knew that, okay, first step is going to be taking, taking photos and interviewing black women um, with natural hair. So that's what I did first before even thinking about how is this going to get published or any of that. So I just took all the photos. I took all of the, um, I conducted all of the interviews. Or I guess most of the photos and most of the interviews, I should say. And then I started looking into the publishing process. I started looking into if I, sh- you know, if I should get an agent or if I should self-publish. Um, ended up going with self-publishing um, for you know the creative freedom that it comes with for more flexibility. And yeah, so it's just been a lot of sort of online research, figuring out things on my own. I have talked to a few people who've been really helpful, who've gone through similar processes, not, you know, not with photography books, but just with regular, you know, literary novels. And so they've been really helpful in giving me advice. And I think that's, I mean, to me, that's been a really amazing gift. You know, some people are just willing to give their, to give their time. You know, I have a family friend and I didn't even know that he had self-published a book, but I mentioned the book that I'm working on. And he said, Oh yeah, I had such a great time when I did mine. I'd be happy to sit down and talk, you know, with you. And so I talked to him, he gave me like five more connections and I reached out to them and yeah. So, I mean, networking, right. It's, it's great. (laughs) It is. It's so wonderful. I love it. It gets you far and it makes life so much easier. 
Um, I'm really glad you said that actually. Um, but yeah, that's fantastic. I'm glad that, you know, by speaking, I think that's important speaking what you do, talking about what you're doing and bringing it up in casual, you don't have to be crazy with it. Right. Like I don't go around every time I go to Starbucks, I'm like, Hey, I have a podcast. So thanks for my latte. Like I don't, I don't yell it everywhere. Sometimes I guess people do, but you don't have to, I think is the point. The point is if it comes up in casual conversation, everyone always wants to know what you're doing. People just want to know because they're nosy. Some people want to know because they actually care. Regardless, you can use it as a way to have conversation with folks. And then again, you don't know. And you'd be surprised how many times I'm out and I'm talking about podcasting or we're on a podcast topic. And then I'm talking about this one show I'm watching or listening to on NPR. And then somebody asked me or something. And the next thing I know, they're downloading my episodes. And it's just conversation and it makes it makes things easier. So I'm glad that you were able to do that and get support to make this process that much more bearable, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So I'm curious, this is just something I'm curious about. So what do you do during the day? Are you working on this project full-time or do you have other stuff that you're doing too? I am mostly working on it full-time. I, um, I do tutoring. I work at a tutoring company in Virginia. Um, and that's been really great. I actually really like my job there and I like working with kids. Um, I like education and so I, I'm just there part-time. Um, which is nice, which is really nice because it's sort of, it's a good balance, I think, of working on my book and then also, um, you know, having an, having an actual job and um, working with kids, which I also really love. So it's, I'm really grateful that I've been able to balance those two worlds. Yeah. And it seems like it's nice to kind of have a little bit of a break, you know, when you're doing one thing all the time, it's nice to be able to do something else and to kind of direct your focus somewhere completely different just to, mm-hmm. I don't know, keep things fresh, I guess, and to keep the creativity going. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes, yeah, I would say you need to, well, for me in my experience, sometimes I've just needed to step away from certain projects. Like this project, um, I got to a point where I just felt really stuck and I had to take a, I've taken a couple breaks. Um, and then every time I come back to it, I just feel more energized and even more excited to work on it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's important. So with the photography part of it, um, are you using any, when you had to reach out to these women, because I mean, this is a hundred women we're talking about, and I'm sure a lot of networking had to go into that. So what were some of the tips that you would give to someone on how, you know, let's say they're trying to build their professional network or they just got to DC or to Dallas or to New York and they're trying to meet maybe not a hundred, maybe just like five, but what tips or feedback can you give them on how to connect with women that they don't know that they want to be connected to? I would say, I mean, I would say reach out, you know, um, there's no harm in trying. I think that, you know, a lot of, there were a lot of people who didn't respond to me, who I reached out, who I, you know, who I didn't know and they didn't respond to me. So definitely, you know, don't take anything personally. Um, but just know that if you, if you reach out, you will get responses, you know? Um, so for me, if I, for example, I found a lot of these women on Instagram through like natural hair hashtags and stuff. And if they had an email address under their Instagram, I would email them because I think that's a bit more professional, but if they didn't have an email address then I would just DM them on Instagram, told them a little bit about my project. Um, 
and asked them if they were interested in participating, just pretty casual. And then if they wanted to know more, then I um, had more information ready to give them. And let's see what else. Also, I'm, I would say I'm kind of more introverted. So this is kind of hard for me, but I force myself to do it sometimes. Um, like sometimes I would be out in public and I would see like a black woman with a really great Afro or really great locks. And I would, um, you know, just sort of like pump myself up a bit to go and, and ask her, Hey, can I take your photo or can we set up a time, um, to meet so I can take your photo for this project that I'm doing and interview you. Um, and all of the people I went up to said yes. So I would say, you know, if you see, I mean, I guess it depends on what you're networking for, but if you see someone who looks interesting, who you would like to talk to, definitely, I think people are generally very happy that they're, you know, that, that someone is interested in, in talking to them and getting to know them. You know, it's, I think it's flattering. I think so too. And I don't know, I feel like the world has taught us that, you know, black women are unapproachable and we always have an attitude problem and we're mean. Like I, that's the narrative, right? That's pushed. Yeah, that's crazy. It is crazy because we're not. And I think the more people feed into that, the worse it gets. So no, you can, I don't, I don't know. I, I could go off on that for quite some time because it really irritates me. And it, what happens is it ends up keeping black women from befriending each other, which is really where our power lies. And so clearly that's intentional, right? By kind of putting us against each other, we're now not flourishing and thriving as a community like we should. Mm -hmm. And I've always just taken the approach that, you know, like little kids, like I'm sure Chloe at some point when she was little would go up to anybody and ask them a question. Little kids ask each other questions and they don't care. They just want to know the answer, right? There's no agenda what's your favorite color? Or is that your dog? Or what's your dog's like very, very, very random, but like succinct questions. And the expectation is that you're going to get an answer and mm -hmm. they always do. Right. How can you not answer that? Oh, my favorite color is, is actually it's purple. And then like, and that doesn't spin off into a conversation. Like, come on, it's, it's very basic stuff and it's so powerful. And I wish people would do it more because you honestly never know who you're going to meet. You never, and you never know half the time, most of the time they're going to say, absolutely. Or, you know, after a couple more conversations, they'll say, sure, like, let's do it. Even with the show, I reach out to people too. Everyone's like, oh my God, Whitney, like your guests are so great. I'm like, yeah, they're great. But do you know how many people haven't been on the show? Do you know people I've asked who have flaked when I was time when it was time to record or, you know, didn't get back to me or blew me off after the episode? Like, it happens. It happens. But the show is here because I've been consistent. And like your book is going to be here because you've been consistent. And a hundred women is just, it's amazing. I wonder how many you've asked total. Do you know? If you were to guess, like how many would you say total you reached out to? Maybe 300. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe around there, I would say. That's crazy. But yeah, I feel like I was just, I was just always working on my book. So I was, I didn't even really have time to take it personally if someone didn't respond. And I was meeting so many great black women along the way that I didn't even stop and think about, oh, this one person didn't respond. It was just, I was so grateful for everybody who I was meeting who did respond. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm grateful too. You know, everybody who's on the show, um, you just like, 
I was telling you before, before we hit record, I was telling her that, you know, I was looking for a guest. My schedule had shifted and I really wanted to do a stranger danger episode this week. I didn't want to move it to next week. And I had somebody in mind, but I didn't reach out in time. And I've been just juggling, right? And the the holiday messed me up with the Indigenous People Day. And I was just like, I don't know. And then boom, you show up in my inbox. And I'm like, this is crazy. So it just, sometimes it just works out. It just works out perfectly. So I'm glad. Okay. All right. So we talked about what you're doing, what you're up to the spring, the book. We've talked a little bit about how you've networked to get all these women on the book and in the book and what you did, I guess, really before you started this book, right? In school and what you're doing now. Is there anything else that you want to put in that you want to talk about that you want to speak to? Sure. Like related to black anything women related to anything at all. Yeah. Um, Let's see, I guess, well, I guess one thing that I was thinking of um, sort of towards the beginning of the conversation, um, actually, you might, you might have been talking about this before you hit record, I can't remember, you were saying that oftentimes we don't give each other, we don't really give each other space to have these kinds of deeper conversations, um, and I agree, and I think that that's something that we definitely need more of like people being vulnerable with each other. And that's something that I found in this project that I'm working on and other projects that I've worked on, especially, you know, with like the sort of nonfiction documentary journalism style. Um, I think that people, especially, I mean, especially now, you know, we feel so disconnected from each other. I think people are so eager to, be connected to share their stories, to have someone to listen to them um, and to listen to other people in return, you know, to be trusted in that way. And so that's something that I, yeah, that I'm really grateful for. I mean, in this, um, in Dear Chloe, I interviewed these three high schoolers. Um, One of them was a former student of mine and she brought along her two friends we met in New York and we sat in a restaurant and I maybe I, you know, asked a couple questions, but it was mostly just them talking about their experiences. And they went to, they were about to graduate. They were seniors um, from this majority white high school in New York. And it's, or sorry, majority white and Asian. And it's, there's only a 2% black population at that school. And so they were just talking about so many things and I really felt like they hadn't, you know, I was like, wow, they hadn't really talked about this before, you know, at least not all of this. Um, you know, one of the, one of them started talking about her, you know, you know, experience trying to, you know, go through skin bleaching, um, talked about weight loss and, you know, that kind of body image, um, you know, like dislike for your, for your weight. And these are conversations that are so important to have, but I feel like we always feel like, oh, it's not the right time. It's not the right time. And I'm just going to put on this happy facade or nobody has time to listen to me, or I don't even have time to talk about it because it's such a long story. So 
I think, yeah, that's just been really great as a documentary filmmaker slash photographer is that I've just gotten to sit down and hear so many stories and sort of give people the space to share themselves. And I'm really grateful that, you know, people trust me to be vulnerable with them, you know? Yeah. Vulnerability is powerful and you're right. And it's interesting. I, um, I'm glad that you brought up some of their stories because, you know, it's important to, to kind of shed light on a little bit of what some of these women's stories are, because some of them are actually sharing their stories with you. So um, I'm not sure how much of those stories are in the book, but these stories are, you know, they're everywhere, right? With women and, and girls all over the country, I'm sure all over the world, but all over the country. And you're right. I mean, the space for them to talk about this is not always there. And, you know, for a myriad of reasons, it's not there. And hopefully as we raise these kids and as they get older and we raise the next generation, we'll be able to create safer spaces for them. And I'm loving that how right now, culturally, it's becoming less and less cool to bully and less and less cool and accepted to be hateful. And like, eventually, you know, I think it was Gina Rodriguez was all over Twitter today, right? For saying the N-word in the Fuji song. And, you know, yeah. And she did this weak ass apology and everyone's just like, bro. And apparently she's been problematic in the past. And it's like, she's on people's radar. And that's the thing. Anybody who does these sorts of, you know, negative behaviors towards black women or towards black people, they're being put on this like watch list and Twitter is waiting. And literally it was so funny. Some of these tweets, they were waiting for her to do something else and to say something inappropriate towards black people. And the minute she did, it was a wrap. Everyone's like, Gina, who canceled, canceled, canceled. Like it was just wild. And I think when this culture, when celebrities are getting called out for it, everyone's going to get called out for it. When everyone gets called out for it, it's no longer acceptable. And it's crazy. You know, I'm curious to know what you think about this as we close out, but California just, wasn't it California that just did that law that you can't judge people or you can't hire or fire people based on their hair and that natural hair is legal to have? Like that was, Mm -hmm. wasn't that California recently? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's ridiculous. There are a couple of women in my book who talk about um, being at school or at work and being um, punished for wearing their hair in its natural state. And it's crazy. It's 2019 and we're still, you know, there has to be a law passed to say, hey, natural hair is legal, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean, these conversations, you know, they could go on for, we could just have a conversation about that. And it's infuriating and it's ridiculous. And, but, you know, again, the system isn't broken. The system was designed to work this way. And when it works this way and it condemns people of color, then it's doing what it was set out to do. And so hopefully over time, very quickly, but hopefully over time, we begin to dismantle a lot of these things that are set up against Black people, especially Black women who are literally just trying to live their best lives out here. Mm. I mean, having hair is is enough. And it's crazy because you wonder, Black women care. I don't think there's anybody who cares more about their hair than Black people. Yeah. 
Like, I don't know that culture. I don't know that demographic of people who like care about their hair. Like, like genuinely care, have an emotional attachment. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And then especially when you think about like our, our ancestors and some of the women in my book brought up, you know, um, like the natural hair traditions from back in Africa. I mean, it was such a part of their identity and still is. Yeah, I mean, we hair is a huge, you know, a huge part of who we are. It is. And at one point in time, it was one of the only ways we could express ourselves. And to this day, it's still one of the easiest and best, not maybe not easiest, but one of the best ways, one of the most accessible to most of us ways to express ourselves. So whether you braid it, whether you lock it, whether you, you know, get a sew in, like whatever you do, you've got all these different ways to express yourself. And it's so cool. And I think it should be celebrated. And I grew up wearing, you know, all kinds of braids, all kinds of braids. And I had let my hair grow natural for a while now. And um, all the products out there now, let me tell you, it's amazing. I'm curious if you were to do this and write what all the women put in their hair, it would be <laughs> insane, right? All the products people use. Yeah, it would be a lot. I mean, which is amazing because before it was just, I think they were like one or two brands before and now there are so many options available. Yeah. And we've got girls now, entrepreneurs, black girl entrepreneurs. I met one actually, I think she's from DC or Baltimore. I can't remember. I'll have to put her in the show notes, but she's got her own brand of natural hair care. It's for curls. It's like a curl activator type. Um, I would go get it, but it's in the bathroom. And she's like 14 or 15 years old. And her and her mom went to Atlanta to the event that I was at and were like, selling her, her hair care products. And I think Sally signed a deal with them or something and put them on. So now she's got like, or Target, she's got her products selling like in major retailers and she's like 14 or 15 years old. It's incredible. That's amazing. Right. And we can get products now from these. And so that's, you know, and put money back into our own communities. Genius. It's genius. And that's, I think to me, what's, what's so cool about this. So anyway, okay. So guys, just as a reminder in the show notes, I will have the websites for the Dear Chloe website for St. Clair's IG accounts. Um, if you're on your phone right now, definitely hit the, the button down there to see the show notes or go to networkandspill.com and check out the show notes. All the links are there. Again, I will have promotional, you know, marketing material stuff when she gets it and I'll be able to put that on, on my gram. I'll put, share that out everywhere I can to get people to buy it. Um, I may do a giveaway at some point. Um, and then maybe I'll buy a few of the books and definitely want to get that out there. I've worked with the uh, free black women's library. I'd love to donate a couple to them because that'd be cool. So we'll definitely be supporting you as you go through this journey. And, um, I'm really glad that you reached out. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the show and, and talking to me. Yes, you're so welcome. So if you want to go live on IG, we can do that. Um, that would be sometime. awesome. Yeah, right? It's, it's, I think it's fun. We can do it next week. And then anybody who wants to hop on to say hey or to answer, if you want to answer any questions, if anybody has a question, maybe you're into photography, maybe you've got natural hair, maybe you're in DC and you want to meet up, maybe you want to buy a book for your goddaughter, next door neighbor, student, whoever, right? Um, come on the live with us and hang out. We'll do a little 
promotional graphic for that to remind you, but sometime early next week, this will go live on Thursday, but um, it'll give you a couple of days to tune in, get all your tea and then come back. So um, perfect. All right. Well, that's it guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much again for being here. And we'll come back together next week to do an IG live. And if you miss the IG live, because you're listening to this in the future, thank you for listening. If you would do me the biggest favor of them all and leave us a five-star review, you can do this on Apple podcasts. You just kind of like go to the show and scroll down a little bit and you got five stars, click on that and then say something cute or funny in the little review like section. So we know it's you and we know it's real. And I'm actually going to be doing, cause I've seen people do this, doing um, like drawings each week for people who leave reviews and I'm going to be giving stuff away. So I'm really excited cause you never know what I'm going to give. But um, if you leave that review, you might get chose. Chose. All right, guys. Thanks again. Thanks again, St. Clair. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much. Bye.